Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. Here are a couple announcements about what is happening with us in the upcoming weeks. This coming Sunday, October 29th, our book club is meeting to discuss the book Beyond Welcome by Karen Gonzalez. It will be after the service, and we are so excited that so many of you read or are reading the book in anticipation of Sunday. If you're planning on staying after the service, we ask that you send Melissa an email at malissa at rivercommunity.ca or however else you get in contact with her so we can make sure we have food for you. And of course, we appreciate everyone who takes the time to read the book club book each month, even if it doesn't align with our meetings. Happy Zambian Independence Day to our partners in Zambia this October 24th. On November 1st, we are hosting a How to Read Your Bible seminar following our HSR report discussions. It will be led by Reverend Bill Neuenheis. This will start at 7.30 at Melbourne Community Life Center, and we look forward to seeing you there. It will also serve as a precursor to a second lesson with Reverend Peter Rockhold from Red Deer on the 26th of November, where he's talking about how to read the texts, so we look forward to that as well. We are starting meal train signups for two families in our church, so keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks. Women on Wednesdays meets Wednesday mornings at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall of Melbourne Community Life Center. We ask that you bring your own beverage if you plan on joining us, and we look forward to seeing you there. You can find more information in Currents about any of these. And here is Karen to talk about what's coming up in hospitality before Dale comes back with the first message in our new series, Daniel in the Hostile World. Hi, everyone. Um, That's a tall order to fill, Dale. Uh, so I just have a couple announcements. One is on the Youth Rise has got back to us now about dates for dinners. And so the first dinner we're going to be doing is on November 21st. And Alan will be sharing one of his recipes, so we'll be doing that. And if you are willing and able and wanting to help out in that area, so we would need servers as well as doing dinners, um, let me know, or Alan. And because Youth Rise love us so much that they've asked us if we would do birthday cupcakes one, one Friday of the month. So the first Friday is this Friday, so I've got that covered. And we're going to be doing it every second month. So let me know if you would be willing to um, bake cupcakes for the kids. And uh, the last announcement I have is on... Um, Our fellowship in two weeks is on the Daniel Diet, since we're studying the book of Daniel. And that's um, a diet that is focused on wellness and healthy and keeping our eyes on God and fasting. So um, in that, I would like to do a sort of a vegetarian um, meal that is focused on vegetables, grains, um, so it's no meat no dairy, and no bread. So, um, brace yourself. (laughs) We will not be doing bagels that Sunday (laughs) or banana bread. So we're going to be serving fruit that day. And we'll do coffee and cream and all that stuff. But um, if if you want to bring something else, we will welcome anything that you're willing to offer. So um, thank you, and we'll hope to try something new this that Sunday. Sunday. 
All right, before I begin, just so you know, there is an extra book, an extra copy of Beyond Welcome, if anybody wants that, um, after the service. I won't watch, but you can run up for it at the count of three. No. Um, so here we are at the beginning of a series called a Daniel in a Hostile World. Uh, Linda, Rachel, and I were at a, uh, a session, I think it was Hope City Church that we were at. And uh, there was a gentleman there who was talking on uh, Daniel and a hostile world, and he just gave a really quick overview, and um, uh, Linda leaned over to me and says, we should preach that. So here we are. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. And, and I'm, just, I'm just thankful as well that uh, Karen uh, chimes in and wants to uh, incorporate food into the whole idea of Daniel, and uh, that's such a blessing that uh, we have kind of an all-encompassing view of uh, we're approaching things here at the river. I love that. So before we begin, uh, let me just uh, start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, here we are gathered in your name. We thank you for the welcome into this place uh, to be in your presence and to be in the presence of each other as we seek to uh, hear you. So Lord, in this conversation that we have throughout the whole service, as we uh, speak to you, as we listen to you, as we hear from you, Lord, I pray that you would bless us. Uh, bless us with what it is that you want us to hear, to know, and to do, uh, to remember um, on an individual basis or perhaps on a corporate basis. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would embolden us through your Holy Spirit with what you ha want to say to us here this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We live in a hostile world. From the far reaches of countless war fronts across the globe and back into time immemorial, the depictions of hostility are too many to mention. From acts of war crimes to acts of indecency done to others, hostility is apparent. From the ghettos of Detroit to the tent cities of Edmonton, hostility exists. Whether it's from the outside against these peoples or it's from the inside, from brother to brother, sister to sister, hostility abounds. From the top offices of skyscrapers to the warehouse aisles, even there, hostility exists. From the chambers of commerce to the soup kitchens, yes, even there, hostility exists. From the explicit racism displayed in European countries to the implicit and subtle racism here in Canada, hostility takes on forms both imagined and unimaginable. From the Indonesian islands to the mainland of USA, hostility abounds in the form of religious persecution. Muslims, Christians, Jews, you name it, it is there. From both sides of the Pride Month or Soji gatherings, hostility boils over. From the anti-vaxxers of COVID to the freedom rallies across Canada, you saw the hostilities. Yes. We live in a hostile world. And our response to all of this hostility is either fight or flight. We can be in shock and despair over the atrocious nature of our world, or we can take up arms to fight it. What has your gut response been these past years? Ignore or challenge? They say that when it comes to conflict, we can either be hedgehogs or rhinos. We can put our head in the sand like ostriches, or we can rise up on our hind legs like grizzly bears. How do you handle conflict and hostility? Yes, we live in a hostile world. So what can we do? Is there an alternative response? Does it have to be hide or seek? 
How would God want us to face our days here on earth? Can we move from a state of shock and despair to some other response? I believe the answer is yes. Yes, we can. And to illustrate that, I would like for us to look at a time in the Jewish history when they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And so there on some papers in front of you are some texts that I'm going to be reading. You can follow along there if you so choose. Second Chronicles 36 recorded the Israelite history this way. It says, Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In this spring, King Nebuchadnezzar sent for him and brought him to Babylon, together with articles of value from the temple of the Lord. 2 Kings 24 also tells the same story, but with a little more detail. Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiachin captive to Babylon. He also took from Jerusalem to Babylon the king's mother, his wives, his officials, and the prominent people of the land. The king of Babylon also deported to Babylon the entire force of 7,000 fighting men, strong and fit for war, and 1,000 skilled workers and artisans. After 700 years that the Israelites had lived in the promised land, they were now being taken into captivity by the ruthless Babylonians. Psalm 137 gives us a glimpse into the state of shock and despair that they were in when they were taken from their beloved land. Now, Boniam does a pretty good rendition of this psalm, if you've ever heard Babylon by Boniam. It's pretty catchy, but it doesn't really catch the, the sentiment. So I like Don McLean, how he captured the sentiment of Psalm 137 with his song, Babylon. McLean called it a dirge. Let's give it a listen. psalmist wrote, Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. 
How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not remember Jerusalem, my highest joy. As we hear their lament, we hear their despair. They are in shock that this has happened to them. And it sounded like the Babylonians tormented them. The Lord warned the Israelites through the prophet Habakkuk that a time was coming when the world would be overrun by the Babylonians. Here's what the Lord told Habakkuk in Habakkuk 1. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. So yes, the Israelites were warned, and now they were headed into hostile territory. Now, I am not known for my political prowess. If, if anything, that is one thing I definitely duck away from. And so I don't know what you think about Russia or Ukraine. I don't know what you think about Hamas or Israel or Lebanon. Or a little closer to home, I don't know what you think about Trump and Biden. I don't know what you think about Trudeau and Polyev. I don't know what you think about Smith and Notley. But my assumption is that for many of you, your hackles just raised. My view from the gallery is that our governments today are hostile. Yes, we live in a hostile world. Whether we look at politics, economics, or societal well-being, we are staring down the barrel of a gun, and it is only time before the trigger is pulled. So how do we respond? How did the Israelites respond? I think the Israelites being led into captivity can help us out. So please turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. It's on the flip side of the pages that you've been looking at. Here we will see more detail on who was taken into captivity, and we will see how they responded. So Daniel 1, 1 through 20. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off into the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome and showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He, that is Asphenaz, was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, 
to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four men, young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom." That's for the reading of God's word and all God's people said. Now, this is a very familiar story. I'm sure you've heard it often enough, but it looked like you were reading intently along with me. So thank you for doing that. It is here in this opening chapter of Daniel that we see that the Israelites response to their captivity and to their captors. There are four themes here in Daniel 1 that I would like to draw out. I will reveal to you in the coming weeks how Daniel and his friends showed courage, wisdom, and respect. But overall, and running through these three aspects, I believe there was an optimism. Yes, optimism in the face of hostility. That is our topic for today. Optimism in a hostile world. And there are three proof texts that I will use to demonstrate that optimism. But please know that foundational to it all is God. The Lord is the fount of all optimism. And to reveal that to you, I'd like to look at some other proof texts as well to support that perspective. The first proof text comes to us from Daniel 1. Twice in our reading of Daniel 1, we find that the Lord is active, alive and well within the story. Actually, there are three times, but I'm going to focus on two. Verse 2 says that the Lord delivered the Israelites into captivity. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, wait a minute. How is that a note of optimism? <laughs> and I guess the answer is whether you believe that the Lord is sovereign or not. If you do not believe that the Lord is active and well in working in all events of life, then you look at verse 2 as simply punishment by an angry God. 
But if you do believe that God works through all things to his purposes, then verse 2 is an illustration of just that. God is at work in the story. And by extension, you need to know that he is at work in your lives too. I'm going to skip over verse 9 where we also see that God is at work. But we're going to look to the second proof text in verse 17, which says that the Lord gave those four men knowledge and understanding. And not just simple knowledge and wisdom, but ten times the amount anyone else has had. That's in verse 20. And you just have to know that God is up to something. And that gives you hope. Optimism. It is this optimism that gave these four young men the courage, the wisdom, and respect that they needed to face their hostile world. And God will give it to you as well. But not only does the, the Lord act in this story, but more so he speaks into this story. Our third proof texts are prophecies that the Lord gave to the people in exile through his prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 24 reveals this to us, just as it did to the Israelites who received Jeremiah's prophecies. Jeremiah 24 says this, After Jehoiachin was carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. He says, I regard the exiles from Judah as good. Those whom I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. So we see here again that the Lord was acting in, in sending them to Babylon. And then he says, my eyes will watch over them for their good. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. So the Lord spoke this about his beloved Israel, now in captivity, now living in a hostile world. And this wasn't just a once said and done prophecy, but, but the Lord gave to his people in Babylon. No, the Lord also sent word again through Jeremiah, this time in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 holds a very special promise to anyone who holds on to hope. Can anyone here recite that promise out loud? Jeremiah 29. Just stand up and repeat that phrase for me. Do you know the verse? Yes, you got it. Verse 11. That, that is true. It's up on the screen now. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And so we look at this as a great promise by the Lord. And, and often many people claim this for themselves. And, and, and well done. But it is in context, it is the context of this promise that is of more significance. Jeremiah 29, verses 1 to 14. In your NIV Bibles, if you had that um, version, then they are in the habit of putting little headings above every paragraph or a little story, and they call this a letter to the exiles. So Jeremiah 29, 1 to 14. 
This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. And this next paragraph is really important, so I'm going to read it slow just so that it really sinks in. But the Lord says this to the people in exile. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So how could Daniel and his three friends be so optimistic, you ask? I believe that this letter reached them there in the palace of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they took these words to heart. So what do we learn from Daniel and his friends? I believe that we, like Daniel, believe in God's sovereignty. We can have confidence in what the Lord is doing. We can take confidence in what the Lord spoke through Isaiah when he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So yes, we can be confident in the Lord's sovereignty. He is alive and well and at work within our stories. And we too can hang on to promises from God, from Jesus. It is he who comforts us in our weariness, in our shock and in our despair. Go to him, you who are weak and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. And we too we are to seek the peace and the prosperity of the hostile city in which we find ourselves. Jesus has charged us to be a light to the world as found in Matthew 5. So do not hunker down in shock. Do not live in despair. But live. Do not isolate yourselves. Marry and have children. Build houses into homes and live. Really live. Prosper. And while you do, seek the prosperity of the hostile land in which you live. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It is optimism in a hostile world that will carry us through.
Now, you might be wondering, just how do I go about doing that? Good question. It is optimism that the Lord gives to us courage and wisdom. It is optimism that gives, that causes us to live with respect in our hostile world. But more on that in the weeks to come. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father and gracious Lord, we pause yet here this morning. We have heard that you are here. You are present, just as you were for the Israelites in Babylon. You are here in our hostile world. Lord, we look to you. We live in hope of you and your victory, that which is to come. We know that you have already secured that victory through your son, Jesus Christ, and we hang on to the hope and the optimism that it gives us, the ability to live well here in this land and in this time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being that God and inviting us into this place. In your name we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.